Today, you're going to enjoy our study. I say that because I just returned from Israel. And even though I've gone to Israel over 70 times, I learn something new almost every single time I go. And this year we had a great tour. Matter of fact, we went to Shiloh, to Gilgal, to a shepherd's field in Bethlehem. And I saw sites that I'd never seen before. The city of David. It's, it's really unveiling the truth of God's word before our very eyes. Matter of fact, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the fact that as we've been studying current events, we said that, that everything is, is coming into focus. Everything is, is projected right to this point of time. And the same is true historically. I'm watching stones being uncovered that have been hidden for hundreds of years, thousands of years. And they're telling the truth of the Bible. Today, we want to take a visit to Shiloh. And I know you're going to see the enthusiasm of our archaeologist as she takes us around. And let me tell you that the Jewish guides that go with us, they're so excited about what is taking place. I think you'll be excited. Shiloh. What, what does Shiloh mean to you? Well, if you're not careful, you can look past that name. But there's some great stories in the Bible about it. Matter of fact, listen to this one in Joshua chapter 18. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. And the land was subdued before them. You see, after Israel wandered in the wilderness, they came into the promised land. That's where the, the tabernacle of God was set up. And then a little bit later in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says this, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. It's a biblical place. It's a biblical site. And those stones have been lying there for thousands of years, waiting for the truth of God's word to be exposed. I say that because, you know, we live in a day and a time when people are challenging the end of the Bible, the prophetic part of the Bible, and they're also challenging the first part of the Bible. Did God create? Is the historical record true? Is the Bible true? Well, by the time you finish the program today, you're going to know that the Bible is true. It was spoken by God himself. Joy, as we take a walk through ancient Shiloh to see how God will reveal himself. He revealed himself to Samuel by his word. He'll reveal himself to us by the rocks that you're going to see. Okay. So archaeological sites, most of them are tells. And the tell is a mound. It's like a hill but it's usually somewhat artificial because it's built up layers of occupation over thousands of years where they build a city, it collapses, they build on top of that, that one collapses and so on. And it makes this artificial mound. So we're on top of Tel Shiloh. We're at the top here. Uh, we came up the south side and now we're looking north. Um, and we're so kind of, we've done, you can see the whole thing. We came up one side looking down the other. Um, and so Shiloh was first occupied in the Middle Bronze Age. This is a Canaanite city. And then the Israelites come in. Um, and there's no, the Bible doesn't say that they conquered Shiloh. And the archaeological record doesn't say that they conquered Shiloh. So we assume that they were somehow friendly with the people of Shiloh. And they just came in, set up camp here, set up the tabernacle here. And this became their headquarters. Um, so one of the big questions that, as an archaeologist, I want to know about Shiloh is where was the tabernacle? Where did they pitch it? And there's a lot of different ideas. Um, and the thing is, is that it's a cloth tent. So it's not like we're going to find any archaeological remains from the tabernacle. Um, but there are some things we can look for. And one is a flat area that's big enough to put the tabernacle. 
So some people say that maybe it was over on the southern side, like down where the gift shop is, uh, where the bathrooms were. Uh, maybe it was down there, um, and that could work. Some people say, oh, it should be on the summit. Um, like, holy places are always on the top of the hill. You read in the Bible about high places, which are usually pagan, but still, the, the idea might continue. Maybe it's on the very summit. And so we did some measurements, and we found that, yes, it could fit here on the summit. Um, and then... If most tour guides who bring you to Shiloh will tell you, though, that it's down there where you see all the flags. There's kind of this big platform there. That spot's big enough, too. <clears throat> so, so there's these different ideas about where it could have been. Um, and then some people have suggested maybe it moved around. I mean, it was a tent. They could take it and pitch it in different places. Um, but the thing is, there's not really any evidence to say for sure that it is at one of those places or the other. Now, my team that I excavate with, we've been excavating here on the northern slopes just below this little covered pavilion. Um, and what we uncovered is the foundation, the remains of a structure that's the same proportions as the tabernacle. It's facing the right way, uh, facing east to west. Um, so that's pretty cool. And we like, it, tabernacle pops into our minds, but Here's the question, was it a stone structure? Because what we found is stone foundations. Um, and the Bible says that the tabernacle was a tent. But we know that the tabernacle was here for a long time. And there's some later Jewish traditions, I think it's in the Talmud, that talk about that they built stone walls and then they pitched the tent over top as the roof. So that's a later tradition. We don't know if it's true or not. But what we're finding here is stone walls that are the right, the right shape, the right dimensions. It's separated, it's um, two thirds and then a room on the end that's one third. Um, so that's the proportions of the holy space in the most holy place, uh, the Holy of Holies. So we're pretty excited about what we're excavating. We don't think at this point that we have definitive proof that we're excavating the tabernacle, but we're pretty excited about what we're finding and we wanna keep excavating. We haven't gotten down to floor level yet and floor level is where we're going to find anything that was left on the floor. Um, so if you want, we'll go down there and uh, we'll look at our excavation area. So here's our excavation area um, on to the west of the path. Um, we've been working here for four seasons. We started in 2017, and then we had to take a couple years off for COVID, but we're back now. Um, and so this wall that I'm standing basically on top of it, although it's not excavated and it continues under the path, this is the north wall of our, we're calling it the monumental structure, um, the, the building that might be the tabernacle. Um, so I'm standing on the north wall of it. You can see the big wall going across. There's a yellow ball on top of it going that way. That would be the west wall. And then we haven't found the south wall yet. We really tried to find it last season. 
this last summer when we were digging, uh, but we kept hitting early Roman houses and destruction layers, which were really cool, and we had to excavate them properly, uh, so we never had time to get down to uh, where the, the Iron Age wall is. Um, coming over here, we did find the cross wall, the eastern wall over here, and then it seems to widen out, so maybe some kind of courtyard on that end. Um, so the structure is facing east, the doorway, you would come in that way. Uh, most of you all are standing right here in what would be the holy place. And then this cross wall right here um, is what separates the holy place from the holy of holies, if that's what indeed it is. Um, ignore the wall running up the center of the room, that's a later wall. Um, so that's, that would be theoretically the holy of holies, this would be the holy place, and then a courtyard out here with the altar in it. Now if you go straight this way off that side of the tell, um, archaeologists digging here in the 1980s discovered what's called a favisa. And a favisa is a ritual burial place. And this is where you, you dump something, it's like you don't want it, you can't use it, but it's kind of holy. And so what he found was animal bones. And these are sacrificial animals, um, cows, sheep, goats, and just thousands and thousands of bones. And then broken bowls, uh, mostly bowls. Um, and so he called it a religious favisa. He said this is obviously from some kind of uh, sacrificial system here at the site. He thought it was from before the Israelites got here, so he thought that it was a Canaanite temple. Um, but we think that it lines up really nicely here and that the time, there's different opinions about when the Israelites arrived. And um, I go with an earlier date, and so I think that the time period lines up nicely. Um, so can you give us the timeline? Time you're referring to? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so um, my view is that the Israelites showed up here in 1406 BC. And this is in the Late Bronze Age, the beginning of the Late Bronze II. And um, so they come into the land, they conquer Jericho, I, they go up and have a ceremony on Mount Eval, and uh, eventually they come here to Shiloh. And they move in and set up the tabernacle, and they're sacrificing here, right? And they have an animal bones. Um, and so this structure dates to the Iron Age one, which is a little bit later, a couple hundred years later, but it's still during the period that the Israelites are here. So they may have been sacrificing for some time because they, the favisa over there clearly dates to the late Bronze Age. So that's a little bit earlier than this structure, but it, the structure doesn't have to be built the minute they arrive, right? It, they're here for a long time. Over time, eventually, maybe they build the structure, but they're continuing. Um, to accumulate animal bones. Um, so that's kind of the timeline. The other view is that the Israelites arrived um, somewhere, I think around 1260 BC, which is a couple hundred years later, 150 something years later. Um, and so kind of near the beginning of the Iron Age one. So those are kind of the two views on that. Um, so let's see, do you have any questions about that? I can talk about other things we've excavated as well, but if you have any questions. So in terms of saying, okay, this is Jewish, how mm -hmm. do you know this is Jewish as opposed to some other, like, Philistine or right. uh, Roman? Sure. Um, so as far as getting a date, and that, that, you know, starts us off in the right direction, you know, like I said, we dug through multiple Roman layers to get, we're trying to get down to the Iron Age to what we would call Israelite. Um, it's based on pottery. So uh, the jars that they made, uh, the forms changed over time just a little bit. Um, so think if you're, if you're out on the street and you see like a Mustang from the 1960s and right, parked right next to it is a Mustang that's a 2023 model. 
you can kind of tell the difference, right? You can tell one's from the 60s and one's current. Yeah. So the way that cars change over time like that, pottery changes over time. And so archaeologists have studied this. They've figured out exactly, um, or at least give or take, um, you know, th from this time period, the pottery looked like this. And from this time period, the pottery looked like this. And so as we're excavating, we're looking at the pottery every day. Um, we sit down at a table and we look at all the pottery that we found the day before and we read it. We call it reading pottery. And so that's how we figure out what time period we're looking at. And then the next question is, okay, we figured out the time period, but who, what people is this? What group is this? And that's a lot harder. Um, but there's a few things that we can go on, especially like looking for the Israelites. Um, one is that they have a distinctive type of pottery. It's called a collared rim jar, huge, huge jar, like big enough for me to crawl into. Um, and it's called a collared rim jar. And it was almost exclusively Israelite. We found it at a few sites where they might not be Israelite, but, um, you know, that's, so that's one clue. Another is uh, whether or not there's pig bones at the site, because the Israelites had a prohibition against pork. And um, so we see a drop in pig bones. Um, there's not actually in the, like the Canaanites, they, they had some pigs, not a lot. The Philistines, they ate a lot of pigs. Um, so down in the Philistine cities, um, in Ashdod, Ashkelon, Ekron, um, Gath, we see lots and lots of pig bones. So you can kind of look at things like that. Um, another is four room houses. This is a house style that the Israelites tended to build. Um, three long rooms parallel and then a cross room at the back. And then you can subdivide the rooms into smaller ones if you want to, but it's the basic floor plan. We call it a four room house. So that's another clue that the Israelites are there and not some other people group. So those are kind of some of the things that we look at. What about the bones? Did, did mm -hmm. you find the, the right side and the left side bones? That... So that, yeah, that's a question um, which if you ask Dr. Stripling, uh, he will tell you that we found more bones on the right side than on the left side of the animal. Um, and he attributes that to being the, uh, because the right side of the animal is the priestly portion. And that's really cool. I read the report and I didn't find that. So I'm, I'm trying to pin him down and get him to tell me where he found that because I'm sure he got it from a good source. I just, you know, like I don't want to say it because I haven't actually seen it in the source myself. Um, but that's a really cool thing, cool thing. We actually, like I said, they excavated that in the 1980s. This summer, we actually went in and excavated a little bit more. Um, he had left, he'd dug four by four meter squares and left a one meter strip in between them all. And so we took down one of his, it's called a bulk. We took down one of his bulks and excavated it. So strip of dirt, like one meter wide, five meters long or whatever, um, and a couple of meters deep. And we found over 7,000 bone fragments in it. Uh, and what we want to do, the reason that we wanted to do that was to get um, new bone material so that we can do uh, scientific testing on it, like carbon-14 testing, um, and get some good dates on that. Yeah. What other things have you found that are exciting? Okay, so another thing we excavated this summer, um, so I don't know if you can see, there's, there's a massive wall that runs, it goes all the way around the site. It's the, the Bronze Age city wall from the Canaanite period. It was a fortified city, huge wall. Um, six meters thick, super high, like it would be really hard to attack this city with that wall. Um, so we've found the foundations of it running around through our portion of the site, but um, right over there, there's a gap in it. And we were like digging, like where'd the wall go? Like we're looking for the wall, trying to find it. And uh, it's like, it's just missing. And then we found that in the Byzantine period, so this is maybe uh, 
500 AD, so a lot later, they actually patched it up. Like, they, they didn't want that hole there, they patched it up. Um, so we started digging, and then we found walls coming out from the, um, from the city wall and making a chamber and a doorway, and we realized that this might be a gate. Wow. <laughs> this might be a gate. Um, so the question is, and um, this is something that archaeologists always look for, is the city gate. The city gate's very important. This is where you do trade because you let traders come to your city, but you don't want them inside your city. So, you know, you let them set up a booth in the gate. Um, this is also a lot of times where worship happens, especially in pagan cities. You'll find shrines in the gate. Um, this is um, where legal transactions happen. Uh, if you remember the story of Ruth and Boaz, Boaz goes to the city gate with the sandal or whatever. No, the other guy's sandal, whatever. Um, but this is where legal transactions happen. And that's really important for archaeologists because sometimes legal documents have seals and sometimes we can find those seals and that's really cool. Um, and then of course it's for defense. When someone attacks your city, um, you can shut up the gate. Um, you have towers by the gate. You throw things down on the enemies. Um, so. Where's the gate at Shiloh? This has been a big question. Archaeologists have been excavating here for 100 years. They actually started in 1922. So we're at the 100th year anniversary, and nobody's found the gate. Um, everybody always thought it should be on the southern side. You walked up the southern side. You know, that's a really nice, easy approach. It makes sense to have a gate there. Um, unfortunately, the, in the Byzantine period, the Byzant there were a lot of Byzantines here. Um, they built tons of houses right across that portion where the gate should be. And so we haven't been able to find the gate because there's Byzantine houses on top of it. Um, so when we were digging here, we really weren't expecting to find a gate. Like, it should be over there. It shouldn't be over here. But it does seem to be what we're finding. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we want to see what comes of it. Um, we're going to keep excavating there. And uh, hopefully we find cool things once we get down to the floor level of the gate. So um, let's see. What else cool did we find? Oh, so we found, this is maybe a little bit if you're here for Shiloh for the Old Testament stories, but like I said, Shiloh was occupied in the New Testament during the time of Jesus, and um, it was occupied up until 69 AD. If you know uh, about the Great Revolt, uh, this is where the Jews revolted against the Romans. The Romans didn't like that. Uh, Romans came in and put a stop to it. And of course, it culminated in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, but in 69 AD, uh, Shiloh decided that they were not going to surrender to the Romans, and the Romans came in and destroyed Shiloh at that point. Uh, so we've been finding evidence of that destruction. We've been finding arrowheads, sling stones, ballista balls. Um, and we had uh, one of our archaeologists analyze this. He talked to a military person. He asked, how long did it take for the Romans to destroy Shiloh when they came in? And at this point, it wasn't a fortified city. It was just, you know, houses... Um, and this guy, the strategist, he looked at the, the slopes and the elevation and where people were at the site. He said, an hour. It took them an hour. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that didn't last long. But that was, that's something that, so, you know, like a really cool piece of history that this summer we were able to, we, we made, you know, the map of the site and plotted where every arrowhead, every slingstone, we figured out that they set up their ballistas over there where the gift shop is. Um, that's where the Romans had their ballistas, and they could sling ballistas across the entire site from there. Uh, why, why would the Romans do Shiloh before they went, before they did Jerusalem? They're headed down while from the north. In uh, yeah, they had they had different um, different yeah. groups of soldiers, and I actually he um, our archaeologist who was working on this, he measured the weight of the ballistas, and he was able to tell. I don't remember now, but they had 
different groups of soldiers from different places, and based on the, the weight system that they used for their ballistas, he was able to figure out where they were from. Wow. Uh, and that a diff it was a different legion that attacked a nearby site, so because they used a different yeah, weight. There was the 10th Legion that was in Jerusalem. Right, yeah, and I don't remember now. The 6th, and there was, uh, they found also by Megiddo, other mm -hmm. uh, legions, so... Yeah, yeah there's a lot going on. All right, other questions? Anything else that you want to know? I'm trying to think what else cool we found. We found a lot uh, this summer. It, it, Does this should go extending that way? Or am I wrong? The building? Yeah, the building itself. Okay, so it's it's aligned this, this way. Is, so this is the long way. So this is the one edge of it. The other edge of it is probably right under that okay. under so that uh, bulk. We tried, and we were okay. like, oh, we need to go like another meter and a half or something. Yeah, so it's it's, show me again where mm -hmm. the, the Holy of Holies is. Right. Okay, so basically this area in blue, where we have the blue felt. Okay. Um, so it's so this, this, this wall, that far wall. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. So you're standing. But, and, but this wall and this wall were put in later. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, this this is the original wall. Oh, okay. uh, th this one is not. That one is not. But this one is original, and that far one is original. Okay. So so the holy of holies would have been from this wall mm -hmm. here up to the to up the to edge. just under the uh, where you see yeah the edge there. Yeah. I have maybe a stupid question. Okay. When you're talking about everything, like them just building on top and building mm -hmm. on top, does the entire like surface just come up, or does anything? Where does all that rock come from? Yeah. So that's a. I mean, it's kind of a stupid question, but it's actually a really good question because, like, I wrestled with this for years. Like, I didn't understand. Like, how? Like, erosion goes down. Like, how are we going up? Um, and what it is is, so all of the walls are built of stone. And then you have roofs that are made of branches, you have furniture, you have doors, stuff made of wood, um, a lot of cloth material. So let's say the Philistines come in and destroy the site, right? They knock over the walls, they burn it, there's ash, um, things decompose. And so, you know, you're up a little bit then. And then the next group of people come in, they want to live here again, and they don't necessarily clear it. They just kind of shift things around, level it, use some of the stones that have fallen. They f even find some of the foundations that are still standing and build on top of those. And so it actually does go up over time. Um, and some sites, um, like Megiddo, you'll see there's like, I don't know, dozens and dozens of occupation layers, and it, it goes up, like, it's so tall. Um, and so, yeah, it seems counterintuitive, but it, it, it actually happens that way, so. Uh, what about the pottery <laughs> graveyard? When I was here with Scott, we got to go to the pottery graveyard. <laughs> yes, do you may. We so after we after we read the pottery, we decide what's important, and then we make a big pile of the rest. And you all are welcome to visit and choose a shirt or more than one um, as a souvenir. People like to do that. The Bible reveals that Jesus Christ is a solid rock. You know, it's interesting because in the book of Numbers, God reveals the fact that the rock gives life-giving water when Israel needed water. Or it's also interesting to me that in 1 Corinthians, it talks about how that Christ is the foundation. All we can do is build on the foundation. I can't provide the foundation. Only Jesus can provide that foundation. And then what I can do is build on that foundation. And Peter talks about the fact that they were all little stones. We're, we're, we're living stones. 
We're part of the body of Christ. And Daniel chapter 2, it reveals that in a coming day, Christ will be that judgment stone that will crush all the man-made world government systems. And he alone, his stone will grow and it will fill the whole earth. And so when I see all these stones that are unveiling the truth of God's word, like in Shiloh and other places, isn't it exciting? But you know, the Bible also talks about the fact that, that Jesus Christ is the rock of offense to some who don't believe but he's the stable, solid rock to those of us who believe. We live in a day and a time when this world doesn't know much about comfort, about confidence, about security, or even about hope. But let me tell you this, the Bible says that our hope is Jesus Christ. And as I look at these historical scenes that we saw in Shiloh, I see how the, that God is telling the whole world that I have a point to make just as current events are all streaming to the fact, all coming down to a final point to reveal that Christ is coming back, I think the Word of God is being opened up because so many discoveries are being made in Israel. And they all point to the fact that Jesus Christ is coming soon. They all point to the fact that the Bible is God's Word, it's truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Let me ask you this today. Do you have a solid rock to stand on? My hope is Jesus Christ. My hope is in that solid rock. My friend, today I invite you to receive Christ as your personal Savior. The proofs of the Bible, both by prophetic things coming to fulfillment and by historical things being unveiled, all point to the fact that the Bible is the truth and that Jesus is the Messiah. My friend, come to him today. Confess to God that you're a sinner, that you're short of the standard of a holy God. Confess to Jesus Christ that when he died, you know he had no sin of his own, but he took my sin, he took your sin. He shed his blood, he tasted death for every man, and he came alive from the grave. My friend, take the final step today. Receive him, personally receive Christ as your savior, because then you'll be standing on the solid rock. Christ is coming and coming soon. The word of God is truth, and we're watching God unveil the truth of God in our present day. Thank you for joining us today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the Bible. I thank you for the Word of God that day after day, week after week, century after century, millennium after millennium, the truth of God's Word is being revealed. Father, we look forward to the hope of Jesus coming, maybe today. And Father, I pray that there will be some today who will receive Christ as their hope, their solid rock. Father, thank you for salvation in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.